NotFest.com presents Talk To Me. With over 300 interviews under his belt and six years running, your host Joshua Toomey interviews metal and rock's heaviest hitters. Follow the show at Talk To Me Talk. Here's your host, Joshua Toomey. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Talk To Me here on NotFest.com. The guest this week is Padge, Michael Padgett from Bullet For My Valentine, self-titled record out October 22nd, Spine Farm record. You can go and check out Knives Now, the first single off the record, and it's a really great interview with Michael, and it's awesome, and you will have to check it out. But before we get into all that, we have the big voice himself, the guy that you have heard for years on this podcast, but has never actually heard from. That's Chuck Loesch from uh, No Control Radio. What's up, Chuck? I've got a microphone in your ear now. Yes, uh, I can say more words than just your name. Uh. Right. You actually talk back now. <laughs> Which, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, man, but no, I'll do my best. Tell me a little bit about No Control Radio and let everybody know how they can check you out there. Dude, if you are in the States, you can uh, stream 24-7 uh, commercial-free metal, which is pretty cool, nocontrolradio.com. Uh, also, it's... Uh, it started as like a two-hour radio show on uh, uh, alternative station that decided to start playing Imagine Dragons and then booted me <laughs> off. So now I'm on the rock station, which is cool. So been uh, nice doing the radio show for about what year is it? It's I can never I can't. It's 21, right? Uh, yeah, so, yeah. I think 16 <laughs> years now. So nice. Yeah, been a little while. So and you also were the host of the or former host of the. Uh metal sucks podcast with our good friend godless and uh, that's where i came across you guys back in the day uh starting this show kind of checking out what everyone else was doing on the uh, podcast platforms and you guys were one of my favorite shows man i was really sad to see you guys kind of kind of go your separate ways after leaving metal sucks becoming the metal podcast and then uh kind of kind of coming uh what is that kaput well you know <laughs> it, it all comes full circle man you can uh, you, you can do so much for so long it, and it was i mean it was a hell of a lot of fun and we loved doing it yeah. it was one of those uh drunken nights during south by southwest that i pitched it to the metal sucks guys and uh you know we did 175 episodes like started it off and uh did those and then did another like 50 60 on our own so yeah, it was it was good stuff man it, well, one of the, I, I would say, like, I've been in radio for 20 plus years and probably some of the proudest stuff that I've ever done. Like, I love doing interviews with people, man, and, you know, making them feel uncomfortable. You know, you know all about that, right? You gotta, that's the whole <laughs> right. point, you know? Yeah, you got to get them talking, man. Keep to the fire. But, uh... <laughs> I'm going to ask you about your mom. Why? Yeah. Why? What kind of day did you have? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about your parents. Yeah. Oh, dude, it's the, some of the best stuff, you know? We've definitely had a lot of fun doing uh, interviews and pulling up those type of uh, questions. And uh, if you guys want to check me out on uh, Post Day, which we're doing this a few days early because both of us are actually going on vacation, separate places, but uh, hanging out. Uh, Post Day, uh, you can check me on NotFest Twitch tonight. I will be on vacation, but I will still do the NotFest show from my hotel room with guest uh, Mark Hunter of Chimera coming on. So that's going to be awesome. So if you're listening Post Day, check it out, twitch.tv slash official for my uh, conversation with uh, Mark Hunter. That'll be fun. That'll be, uh, that's going to be cool, man. Yeah, for live, hopefully everything works out, you know, tech-wise from the hotel room. So I'm taking the B, the B equipment, you know, the, uh, 
the uh, Blue Yeti and the <laughs> and the laptop and the webcam. And just do a poolside, gonna... bro. You'll be fine, man. It's all oh, good. Oh, you know, that actually might be a good idea. Yeah. Go, just go sit down poolside. I might have to do that. Get my. I do have a speedo though, so and it is live, uh, live video. That's okay. Just put it, you know, put it on your speedo and do the upshot. It'll be kind of a POV <laughs> thing. I watch those all the time. It's gonna be great. Oh, that just took a turn. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't know if it's that kind of podcast or not. <laughs> just went there. We're family. We're family friendly show over here, Chuck. Come on now. Uh, good time. The. Uh, we were gonna bust into some some news stories that hopefully by Thursday something crazy didn't happen and you guys aren't like why didn't they talk about this, but uh but yeah it says Dave Mustaine says that David Ellefson's parts on the new Megadeth album have already been re-recorded by another bassist. Now he didn't say so, who though, right? He didn't me- no, he, didn't mention that. He has not said who, but you know you and I were talking before we started about the crazy part of all of this is how this news broke was through a new video message on Cameo. So basically, he just told someone like, Hey, Samantha, hope, you know, this is from your, your friend Joe, and hope you're having a great birthday, and you're really going to enjoy the new Megadeth, and the new bass parts are already recorded. Like, And then they posted that out there. Like The, the news, news stories are being made in so many different ways now. It's so insane. Well, it, and it's, it, it's one of those instances of something innocuous, not meaning much to anybody i guess really and then you realize well wait a minute this is the guy who just fired their bass player for sexual misconduct kind of thing and now he's telling us that all these things that have just like it's bigger than he thought it was i guess so it seemed like it was innocuous when he said it but it's kind of huge metal news when when you come down to it so uh but i also think it's just dave mustaine not having a filter of any kind when it comes to that (laughs) you know it doesn't he he just he's gonna say it so i uh, maybe if we pay him enough in cameo dollars he's gonna tell us who it was you know so i wonder could we ask him that question and have him answer that via cameo you know it's, it's funny i said that it was a female from a male friend but it's actually addressing a fan named tina whose friend david ordered the cameo from a stain uh dave says i hear you're a pretty big fan of the megadeth song fatal illusion right now that's cool. Actually, we've got one song on the new album. It's called "The Dogs of Chernobyl," which is very similar to "Fatal Illusion" in a, in aggression. So I hope you like that song when you get the new record. It won't be long. It's a matter of finishing the parts when I get home to Tennessee from vacationing in Florida today and tomorrow. Our bass parts are all done, and it won't be long. So yeah, you just throw away line. Didn't even probably even realize he said it. Yeah, exactly. You know, just, 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 yeah, whatever, you know, but, the, and that's what I'm saying. It's like, he's got, he didn't filter that part out, which is weird because like normally, you know, I've interviewed Dave Mustaine a couple of times over the years and, and he is very, 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 uh, particular about what he says, you know, yeah. like, like the words Calculated. matter with, with Dave and he's only going to say what he's going to say because he knows that it's going to get used against him or, you know what I'm saying? It's like, he's, he's very cognizant of what is, uh, what is going to make press. So it's really weird to kind of have that, have that guard down in some ways, because I, f- I feel like the cameo thing, it's one-sided, you know, it's pointed yeah. in a certain direction. So he's not being grilled over stuff. So it feels like he just kind of let it go, you know, and, and put it out there, but you know, so privately he's got no filter and unless he's changed recently, you know, to where it's a little <laughs> less measured, but yeah. Like, well, okay. 
Have you uh have you ever delved into the cameo world? Have you got a cameo or bought one, received one, anything? I never have actually. I've looked at them before and and thought about thought about a few here and there, but then I think about the people that I really love and nobody else likes them. So <laughs> right. I'm like, well, yeah, I tell you what. Okay, maybe somebody I could find on here. It'll be some obscure like actor from a '70s TV show somewhere or whatever. But twenty five dollars a piece. Uh, yeah, I, I've looked at it. I just, I think that the coolest thing I saw was that the band that did the video with all with all the like paid oh, for yeah, all yeah, the cameos yeah. and yeah. stuff. Like, I thought that was brilliant. Like, oh yeah, that was great. Like, that's that that's a beautiful way to do something something creative with cameo. So, I don't know. At some point, maybe maybe I'll jump on there. Will you give me five bucks to say hi? Uh, no. Probably, I might. The um, I mean. Like I've said, if you scour it long enough, you can find good stuff. And I had, uh, you know, Gary Holt of Slayer and Exodus come on or do a uh, cameo. But it was basically like, you know, for your metal news, check out TalkToMePod.com. And, you know, basically just a quick little uh, uh, advertisement for the show, which is pinned on my Twitter that, you know, that that's an easy 25 bucks there. And then I had one of the uh, the Tennessee Titans. He was on there for like 25 bucks. And uh, so I had him say it, which is even funnier because he's like our our uh, outside linebacker. Huh. You know? so, and, but he was he was cool about it. And he sent it back over. I think I, I had one person say no, uh, which is actually they became a guest on the show later on, which I should have been like, why didn't you do my cameo, bro? But um, or you should yeah, have they, just had they, him do it right then. It's like, hey, by the way, hey, flash me one of these, man. <laughs> I mean, basically, it's just an ID for the show. So yeah, yeah I could have could have had had him do it. But yeah, I mean, I've you know, you just throw twenty five bucks, forty bucks here and there, and you can find some cool stuff. And when Dave Mustaine posted that he was doing cameo, I was like, ah, this is probably going to be about two fifty, three hundred bucks. And uh, when I saw that it was one fifty, I was like, I could see, you know, that's not too bad in the cameo world. And then he quickly upped it because I'm assuming he just got bombarded with, you know, uh, cameo right. uh, appearances or whatever they're called. Yeah, and I mean, because I, I think people are probably, you know, jumping to the bit to give somebody like Dave Mustaine to, to say happy birthday or whatever, you know? I mean, a lot of, he under underestimates how many fans are on there. That I think is yeah. probably what he did. And I mean, what, he's more than doubled the price now at this point. So I, it's funny. I used to think it was sort of uh, kind of just whoring yourself out a little bit there. But then at the same time, I'm like, it's brilliant. It's It really yeah. is a brilliant, like, source of... Uh, extra income for uh, people that were way harder to reach, you know, uh, yeah. you know, not that long ago. And I think it's a cool way to be able to make a little bit of a few extra bucks. Yeah. I mean, like I said, though, like I had the, the guy from the Titans do it and, you know, he signed a multi-million dollar contract, you know, with the Titans. And so for 25 bucks, I'm like, what do you, what does that even do for you? You know, what does 25 bucks do to somebody like that? But I'm assuming you get, if you get, Maybe if you get hit up enough, like, hey, man, can you just do, do a quick video for my cousin or something? Right. You know, you would be like, hey, yeah, that's no problem. But, you know, go through my cameo and maybe that'll shut some of that down. Well, it'd be kind of uh, it would also be kind of cool if people that were at that level of uh, of income, you know, wrote it, rolled that into something special, you know, wh yeah. whether that was uh, a charity angle of it or something like that. That'd be kind of kick ass, you know, like if I mean, I, what Mustaine sold a house for six, seven million dollars, something like that. Right. It's like, I think he's not hurting for money. So, I mean, he's probably all right. I paid 45 bucks for a Megadeth t shirt the last time I saw him. So, I think they're going to be okay. Uh, so, 350 for a, for a happy birthday seems a bit pricey, but you know, I mean, if I'm a huge, huge fan, 
like uh i mean uh, who would you pay for like as a fan or who would you want to see something like like that from for you Ooh, man, that's a good question. I mean, because a lot of the people that I've I've wanted to do anything like that for have done IDs for the show. I've interviewed most everybody. It'll roll into our next story. Probably a Metallica member, even maybe like Jason Newstead, somebody like that. Like that would be cool. I've never interviewed the Metallica guy, so that's probably the pinnacle of of where I you know I need to get to. But I mean, I've got Phil Anselmo doing IDs for the show and everything else. So I mean, there's really not much more out there to to get done. I think um, personally. Uh, get Bruce Dickinson would probably be the, 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 the very top end of that. And I, I don't think he's going to be doing cameo anytime soon in between, uh, you know, uh, flying airplanes and all the other stuff. So <laughs> hey, man, iron, iron maiden, they'll, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll slap their name on anything and put it out. So, I mean, you might, you might be seeing those cameos sooner than later. Uh, Nico's doing wings in Florida, right? Doesn't he have a, like a, w- a, w- <laughs> yeah. a wing store or something like that? It's like, yeah, yeah you never know. You never know. But I mean, you know, it's it's a far cry from like, uh, maybe you just have to name your kids after some of these bands, and you'll get uh, you'll get all that stuff. <laughs> and speaking of naming your kids after some of these bands, and I, I wonder the the uh, how the band members themselves feel about all this. But there's a New Zealand mother; she named her three children Metallica, Slayer, and Pantera. And the, even the funnier part about the Metallica kid is the middle name is Injustice for All. <laughs> So, and it's, it's pretty insane that, that a, that it's taken all three kids to get this story out. Because I mean, if you, if you name your kid Metallica, that story should get out. But if you name your kid Metallica and Slayer, then that should get out. But it took Metallica, Slayer and Pantera for the story to get out. I think the problem is going to be eventually is that she doesn't really realize it, but I think Lars actually now owns one of her children. So like there's, (laughs) you can't, you can't go using a Metallica name that way and not think there's going to be repercussions. Okay. So that's, what's going to happen. You better watch it. The uh, journalist, David Ferrier, Ferrier, however you want to say it, uh, reached out to the Registrar General himself asking if there are any restrictions naming babies after band names or albums. The New Zealand Registrar General, Jeff Montgomery, answered that there are no restrictions on naming babies after bands or albums as long as the word used is not generally considered to be offensive or does not resemble an official rank or title. So, I mean, those kids that name, you know, like princess or like general or anything like that, I'm assuming those names are actually off the board in New Zealand. Yeah. So no King Diamond, you know, (laughs) can't go that route. Okay. All right. Uh, Nice. Okay. Uh, Let's see. Just just thinking of some of the rules that you can do. Uh, Right. Yeah. I I don't know. I'm trying to think if they're like, so Metallica, Pantera and Slayer seem like odd names. If you're going to call them those things, like what'd you call them? What is, what's the shortened version of that? You know, I'm a Chuck from a Charles, right? So, like, what's the shortened version of Metallica? Would that be, <laughs> would that be Medi? You know, we're going to call you Medi or Licka? You know, like, I mean, like, what, you know, uh, Panty? You know, I don't know what you're going to call, what you're going to call the kids, you know? I don't know. I'm just, what, it's so curious what the, what, what the motivation behind that. I, just that big of a fan? I mean, I guess so. I mean, what's funny is there's like no comments from the dad and like, hopefully the dad's on board with all of this or, you know, I guess sometimes, you know, you get the whole, uh, you know, got a happy wife, happy life, you know? So maybe you just let, let her name the kids, whatever you want. Hopefully the guy's a metal head, but you know, it, it, they, they, I saw a lot of memes of the, uh, 
the Beavis and Butthead, like, damn it, Pantera, get me another beer. <laughs> like all that coming back around again. Well, the photo of the of the girl that was going everywhere, I think she was holding a crossbow. So, you know, I think well, yeah. with that in her hands, she can name her child whatever the hell she wants. <laughs> you know? So, you know, whatever, honey. Do, do, you, you do you, you know, because I don't think I'd mess with her either. Yeah. Well, see, my youngest is middle name is Cash, and that's obviously Johnny Cash. So, I mean, I understand naming your children after after things, but the the band name itself, right? It's kind of strange, you know, because obviously Johnny Cash is a person. So, but uh, but yeah, naming your kids. I, I mean, if you would have asked me when I was fourteen what I was going to name my kids, yes, it would have been Metallica, Slayer, and Pantera. But uh, and and like I was also trying to think of uh, other bands that would work as as names too, you know, like, I mean, you could name your kid clutch, you know, yeah. cause that, that'd be, he could be a great baseball player. You know I mean? He, you know, he's, he comes through in a clutch, man. You know, I think clutch would be a good Melvin Melvin's, you know, like, yeah, you know, there you go. they got a couple there, I, 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 but then you get into like death. No, I don't think, uh, no, that probably, no, not death chimera. No, no, no. De- yeah. <laughs> What's up? Little, little death tone. You know? <laughs> exactly. You know, I don't know if that's going to work. You know, but I mean, I think if they're uh, Slayer, Pantera, Metallica, what's the next obvious one for number four? Is that going to be Exodus? Uh, or is a little it a testament be, running around or anthrax? I mean, yeah, get, that yeah. might be considered offensive though. Or is that, or, or Megadeth could be offensive. Um, no, <laughs> maybe as long as, as long as Metallica's middle name, you know, middle name is, is not saying anger. I think we're safe. So, uh, <laughs> uh, Megadeth could be, uh, P cells, you know, uh, I, there's so many options. I mean, there's just so many options for you to go with. Hey, little limp biscuit, get over here. You know? <laughs> <laughs> now I'm really offended. <laughs> and, uh, one last thing when I'm on Metallica here is the, uh, the blackened album, um, which is the 53 artist tribute album to the black album. Uh, they recently re- recently released "Holier Than Thou" covered by Biffy Clyro Cl- and Off. You know what's funny is Biffy Clyro is huge in Europe, but as like I've barely heard of them here. But if you look at ads for festivals over there, like Biffy Clyro is like always headlining everything. Right there's a yeah. and there's a few on that list that are uh, the list of fifty two that I've never heard of before. Oh yeah, but I I guarantee you that they've got to be they've got to be huge players in whatever scene that they're in, right? And yeah, because they you know they wouldn't mess with with C art level C artists. They're messing with big stuff, and because also like you look at some of the stories that come out about uh, who's there's another one that was like uh i think is one that did a cover that was a really cool uh yeah inner sandman yeah uh, that actually was a kind of a cool uh version of that uh and i mean it was just i was like who is this guy so you do a little bit of research and you're like oh right. okay, he's huge in uh in other parts of the world so Biffy clyro is kind of a pretty good example of that. like i know a few songs but never never realized the gravity there you know um the Bla- the metallica blacklist is a fitting and limitless homage one that features bands who've shared stages with Metallica alongside artists who are younger than the original album. It's a truly staggering, at times mystifying, assemblage of musicians, dozens of whom have little to nothing in common other than the shared passion for the music that's united them for this album. One album, 12 songs, 53 artists, unlimited possibilities. Oh. And I've said this about a few things on this. I mean, like the St. Vincent Sad But True is pretty fun. 
um uh you know like yeah the uh the the wannis and her sandman was fun it's like it, this is not something that's going to ever replace those original songs for me but i will listen to all 53 52 tracks and give it up all right that's cool you know but I think it's fun. I don't understand all the hate, why people are getting so mad about all of this. It's 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 an insane thing to be so mad about that bands from other genres are covering this because the easy thing they could have done was to have Bullet For My Valentine, Trivium, Killswitch Engage, like all those bands do metal versions of these metal songs that are already metal just for metal fans. It's, right. You know, I think this is way more outside the box. And, you know, there's a couple of bands. I mean, I'm sure the Volbeat song is going to be good. Um, there was a, like the who is going to be fun. You know, the Corey Taylor probably be all right. Well, you know? I think you're seeing a couple of different things going on there. Some people are pissed because it's the black album. Yeah. You know, they're just mad because they're paying this much tribute and doing something this huge for an album that was so divisive in their career. And for a lot of people that were early fans is the, was the end of their career. And then for other people, they're, they are so in love with this record as being the thing that got them into metal and got them started that they yeah. never want to hear anybody do something that takes that away and makes it unmetal because yeah. it just doesn't do it justice. You know what I mean? So it's, it's sort of this mixed bag of, of stuff. And the Black Album kit has so much baggage uh, you know, on top of that already. Uh, I think it's just sort of mixed up in it but i mean you can't the the trick to this one is though is you cannot deny yeah a lot of people have said well this is just another example of them trying to sell this thing out you know trying to make more money <laughs> off these uh, these songs yeah. that they wrote 30 years ago and i'm like well what's great about this is and this is where i'm kind of torn about it because i'm i'm in that that latter category or in the former category of of kind of like oh, well this album was not my favorite metallica because i was a f- early fan but what i love about this is that you know they're really putting this money 100% of it to their yeah. charities and that's really really cool because they could take this as an opportunity to make a ton of money when you've got you know Miley Cyrus and Elton John, Elton John. and yeah. you know what I mean when you've got a huge you know Weezer and you know giant bands that and and people that sell huge numbers of stuff they do all that but they're but they're passing that money on which I think is just really 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 cool because they don't have to, and they are. Do you think this is really cool and awesome that they're sending it to their, you know, the All Within My Hands Foundation plus other charities? Or if it's just easier in the accounting department to just say, hey, everybody do this, and we'll just send all the money to charity? I th- Dude, I think they just, I don't think they need it. You know, yeah, at, well, at they don't point. need it. Yeah, I mean, the the Black Album is still not the Black List album. The Black Album is still one of the top selling albums of all time. Like yeah. currently, like this week, <laughs> still right. sold more copies than almost any other metal record for sure. You know, so I mean, you, you go on iTunes or whatever, and it's still like always in the top ten. So I mean. Do I think that they're worried about that? I really don't. I think it's just a matter of like, this is a good opportunity for them. And, and you know, it's, you know, whether it's a flex on, um, on their ability to use their charity for something like this or what, who cares? It's going to help yeah. some people, you know? And I think that's pretty cool. I, I, I think that's kind of a cool deal. So more power to them for doing that kind of thing, man. I think that's, I think that's a big deal. 
Yeah, they get shit on a lot for the uh, for the charitable charitable work that they do because even through the pandemic, they were doing those Metallica Mondays where they were pulling out old concerts from right. the vault that everybody that was shacked up in their house could have a, an hour or so of Metallica that you've never seen before. And they, but they had a donate button at the bottom of the screen for their for their foundation, and you would read the comment section like, "Oh, they're just trying to make money. If they want to donate, you know, why don't they donate some of their own money and all this other stuff?" And I'm like, "Dude, they, that's not how that's not how celebrities do charity. Like they they use their platform and they get they get five dollars from everybody rather than just sending a million dollars from themselves." Yeah, and I mean, dude, no matter what anybody does, especially on the level of Metallica, they are going to get shit on regardless. <laughs> right. like, like it's it, it doesn't matter what the, they're that big at this point that it's gonna they're gonna have people that are like that. And if you're gonna, that I'm sure they don't put any weight on you know naysayers in comment sections as far as that's concerned. You know, like if there's anything I learned in my time as a podcaster is that I suck more than anybody's <laughs> ever sucked before if I read the comments. So like sometimes you have to ignore that and just, and roll with it and know that you're doing the right thing. And I really think that this is a, 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 like just shows that they really have invested their energy into the charities that they've supported uh, through their foundation. And I think that's really, that that's a really a good thing. I think, I think it's something that's going to, that will benefit them in the long run. You know, it's going to make them money because of good favor and public relations and all those things, you know, all that. But I don't, I honestly don't know that that's why they're doing it. You know what I'm saying? It feels like this is like, they've come to the point where, eh, okay, we don't, we can't spend how much money can you really <laughs> spend? Are we going to send Metallica to space next? You know? So let's do it. I mean, they played on Antarctica. So I next, do next stop. Is the moon? <laughs> what? But, uh, <laughs> finally, finally, it's about to happen. They have turned. They have gone completely death clock. It's finally there. <laughs> uh, another part of this is the uh, you know they've been releasing these box sets for for every thirtieth anniversary of all the the early albums, and then the new one will be uh, to commemorate the thirtieth anniversary of Metallica's self titled album. The Grammy winning sixteen times platinum certified LP. Is receiving its definitive re-release on September 10th during the band's own, uh, via the band's own Blackened Records, um, remastered for ultimate sound quality, which is crazy because the Black Album is like a staple of how, how you make your album sound. Uh, the Black Album remaster will be available in multi multiple configurations, including 180 gram double vinyl LP, standard CD, and a three CD expanded edition digital and limited edition deluxe box set. Containing the album remastered on 180 gram, two LP, a picture disc, three live LPs, 14 CDs containing rough mixes, demos, interviews, live shows, six DVDs containing outtakes, (laughs) behind the scenes official live videos, live shows, a 120 page hardcover book, four tour laminates, three lithos, three guitar picks, a Metallica lanyard, a folder with lyric sheets, and a download card. My God, it keeps on going. I love somebody even even on this post about that. Someone's like DVDs wasn't up Blu-rays. <laughs> you know, like people just get mad about everything. Dude, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, I mean, it really, it, it really doesn't, man. It, it really doesn't. But you know what's? I think the the coolest thing about the about those things is not you know because Lord knows I don't need to. I didn't. I did not need to buy another version of Master of Puppets. Like I just. Right. I didn't need to go buy another one, but I did, you know? So the thing is, is that there's, 
I think it's juicy because there's all those things that are in there yeah. and it sweetens it for fans. It really does. You know, I think it's kind of a cool that you have the option to add all these things. If you really are a true fan of that album, you know, and I think that's, that's really a, a really kind of important thing and they can, and they can make some money off of it. You know, that's, that's their moneymaker, you know, obviously, right. but uh, uh, I th- I don't know that I'll be buying that one. <laughs> well, I've always said that this was going to be the one that I would buy because this was the one that got me from kind of the glammy stuff. My cousins were listening to and kiss and everything else and moved me into Metallica and then on to Megadeth and Slayer and Deicide and Obituary. Like, like this was the turning point in my listening career, you know, because in 91, I'm 12 years old and Inner Sandman came out and blew my mind. And so this was like, this was the album that, uh, that changed it for me. So this was the one I said that, you know, as the box sets were coming out, I was like, I'm getting the black album one. That's, that's the one I would definitely will pick up. And I was so disappointed with the black album when it came out, like because I was so, such the reverse of that because I was seventeen and I had been, <laughs> so, yeah, I was seventeen I think when it came out, eighteen, just going on eighteen, and it was like, man, uh, I wanted something so more, so more injustice for all than it was, and it's like, oh. <laughs> but then, but then you know, like I, I think we've talked about this before in that you know when you get if you get away from all the. Uh, and we do, we can't dive too deep on like you know what the actual uh, black album is like, but if you're away from Enter Sandman and some of the mm-hmm. uh, some of the singles, there's some deep cuts on here that are that are are really really good. Oh you know? yeah, and I just never gave it nearly enough chance because of the Unforgiven. You know, I'm like you know <laughs> screw off, all right, whatever. <laughs> this is awful. Oh yeah, man, you get to quote unquote side two, and you know don't tread on me yeah. and through the never and. Of Wolf and Man and and even uh, you know holier than thou itself the, right. the, from from side A but yeah it's like it is a it is a awesome album if you can get past the singles which is half of the album yeah yeah and I I, I struggled I definitely struggle with this but uh, it's it was an, a record that I I just mixed emotions about so much just because. Yeah, you know, for years I have been made to go home from school, turn my t-shirts inside out because I was wearing a Metallica <laughs> t-shirt and mm-hmm. all this. And then, you know, this was my class song in 1992 was uh, <laughs> nothing else matters. I'm like, you son of a, you, you know, so I had this real whiplash with regard mm-hmm. to what this was. So I was like, screw you. I'm going to go see Pantera. Kiss my ass. You know, like <laughs> I moved on after that. Like, All right. I'm uh, uh, yeah, Barbie. I'm driven. Let's go. Well, Chuck, man, I appreciate you taking some time with me today and uh, we'll have to do this uh, more often and let people actually hear you speak rather than just uh, announcing me at the beginning of the show. Uh, again, let everybody know how they can follow no control radio and follow you. Dude, check uh, check out no control radio. No control radio.com uh, is the website. Uh, you no, it's uh, it's also I'm on KLBJ here in Austin, Texas, where you're going to find my home station. And you can find me on all the socials at No Control Radio, uh, even on SoundCloud. Get replays of my show and all that stuff, too. Do you keep Austin weird? Dude, try. I do my best. <laughs> yeah, we started that way, staying that way. Nice, nice. All right, guys. And uh, let's check out Knives from the self-titled Bullet from My Valentine record. That will be out October 22nd. Check out my interview with Hatch. And then I will uh, I will talk to you guys later.
uh, let's welcome Michael Padgett Padge, to the uh, Talk To Me podcast here, NotFest.com. Oh, thanks for having me. So the new album, uh, Bullet From My Valentine, self-titled. Any uh, any any story behind why you want to go with a self-titled album? Um, it just it just all feels right. It, it feels like now's the time to have that self-titled album. You know, we've done this is a seventh album, and um, I think we all agree this is a, a statement album for us. So it just all makes sense if if we you know now's the time. Why would you say it's going to be a statement album? It's definitely the the more a most the the most ferocious. Uh, style of bullet, form of bullet, um, I've ever known. Um, it's angry, it's pissed off, it's heavy, it's thrashy, it's just ridiculously ferocious. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you think that came from? You know, what was the uh, driving force to make such a heavy album, kind of so late in the career? Um, I, th- I think it, it was a lot to, to do with. You know, it's been a rough, tough few years, I suppose, for everyone, but. Um, you know, we had, we had um, a rough couple of years, and you know, it's, it, especially with this uh, this recent, well, not so recent pandemic, it's uh, it's just made us super extra special, pissed off and uh, angry, and it, it it just worked out that way, you know. And I think coming from Gravity, you know, it's, again, it's the, the opposite end of the of the scale now. So you know, it was I wouldn't say it was lighter, but it was definitely a different direction on Gravity. Um, but again, now on this new one, it's a completely different direction again. So it's, it's interesting, and uh, I'm I'm happy for sure because it's it's super heavy and, and back to full on metal. Were you guys listening to anything extra heavy? Listening, you know, getting ready for this album, you know, going back visiting some Pantera records or anything like that? No, no, it uh, it just comes out. You know, it's, we don't never sort of listen to anything in particular and want want to sound like anything. It's it's just a you know another another wing of, of Bullet for My Valentine. And, you know, we've got, I won't say new members, but there's two two new mem- two members uh, who are not of the original band. Right. So it's, um, you know, it's like a new band, a new breath of fresh air and a new lease of life into, um, you know, Bullet for My Valentine metal sort of thing. So it's, it's really interesting times and uh, just hopefully all the shows will come back now so we can go and play the record and... and uh, you know, do what we love doing best. So do the new guys have input on the new music or is it just getting in a room with the new guys, the new energy and in things like that? Yeah. Yeah. They always have input, you know, here and there. And, you know, Jace is uh, an absolute legend on the drums. He's uh, unstoppable. And, you know, having someone like that beating the, beating the pans is, <laughs> it's really, uh, it's really good, especially when it comes to recording, you know, because, uh, you know, he'll do everything in one take. He's a, he's just an animal. Jamie again with his vocals, and he's just a complete legend. I don't know. How, I don't know how they do it. So I feel this is the best band we've ever had. Uh, you know, talent wise. So pretty happy. So do you guys hash these songs out in a in a in a you know a room together, or is this are you guys just straight go in the studio and work them out? You know, just as you record. Uh. It's been quite a long process this time because uh, obviously there's there's been a hell of a break in the middle of uh, everything. <laughs> we, we did plan to take last year off to write and record anyway, um, but we did actually start recording or demoing rather back in 2019. So it's been quite a while, um, you know, different segments throughout each year, and then 
last year sort of get into the studio when we could so it'd kind of be like two in two out due to restrictions so uh yeah it was written all over the place it was written up in a place called veda recording studios uh up in evesham england then we did some at my place in my studio during the lockdown um Matt was going back and forth to Carl's place, the guy who produced it. So, you know, during lockdown. So it's been a really different way of doing things, but uh, it worked out really well, actually. How do you like, you know, being able to just kind of send files to one another? You work on stuff at your studio, Matt does it somewhere else and things like that, rather than maybe back in the day when you would all meet at one studio and, and just, you know, live there and, and, you know, all work together and things like that. You know, they, they kind of technological uh, advances that we have these days yeah we've really benefited from that especially on this album due to you know the restrictions and and uh, you know lack of travel and the lockdown etc but um yeah it, it's uh we're kind of lucky that we had that you know uh and you know it may be in future when we write it again in future it'll definitely come in handy you know there's always something to somewhere to write or, you know, I can get on with something back home here. Matt can do his thing in the studio in London. I think that's the way it's going, you know? Yeah. And the new album out, uh, self-titled album out October 22nd, Spine Farm Records. I uh, wanted to talk to you a little bit about Download Pilot. Uh, a lot of protocols there to get in, but I mean, that was that was put together quick. Uh, from the videos I've watched, it looks pretty awesome and one of the biggest metal shows that's happened in forever. And, you know, you guys got to headline the Sunday night, I believe. So just kind of walk me through, you know, all of that getting together, the protocols you had to go through and just playing the show. Um, well, we had the call a few months prior and uh, obviously we, we jumped to the chance. You know, we we always love playing download, but to, to be asked to headline the, the pilot event was... You know, it's, it's a dream come true, really. It's, it's a, you know, it was amazing. Don't get me wrong, but this is just a shame it wasn't the uh, the full, the big daddy. Right. But um, it was, it was just so good, man. Just getting into the rehearsal room, uh, just seeing the boys just jamming in a room together. That was that made my year. Uh, seeing all of all of our crew and friends. Uh, you know, the big wind up to the uh, the show on the Sunday, and then getting up in the field. Seeing people we haven't seen for like 15, 16, 18 months, you know, it was just the whole thing was amazing. And then, you know, to get back on stage and, you know, do what we love doing from, from our perspective, which is on the stage looking out to uh, to the crowd and the fans, it, it was just a dream come true. It was, it was completely mind blowing. And the depression after that show was uh, quite intense, man. I think I was down for about two weeks. It was horrible. <laughs> just didn't want it to stop. You know, I wanted to carry on. You know, you do one show and then it's like, right, go home. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. I, I'll, I'll never forget that show. I'll, I'll always remember that show for the rest of my life. Was it one of those deals where you got on stage and, and you know, you hadn't been on stage in, you know, almost what, a year and a half, two years or whatever, and just really being a little bit more appreciative than maybe you would in the past? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And uh, super scared too, you know, super anxious. Just wondering, because we hadn't played live together for, I think it was about 18 months. Uh, 2000, November the 30th, 2019 was our last show. So, uh, yeah, it was really nerve-wracking. But, uh, you know, from that very first note 
on stage, uh, the autopilot kicked in and it just felt so natural and, you know, like there was no time in between. It just felt great. I want to go back a little bit and, uh, you know, your history of, of playing and stuff. And, and what was kind of the, what was the band and what was the guitarist that, that made you want to, you know, get out there and play? Um, it's been a, a few, you know, but like throughout time. But, uh, I mean, Kirk was the guy who made me want to play guitar and be in a band. But then as my musical taste sort of progressed and stuff, I, I think Dimebag is the character, which... Uh, <laughs> I love most, you know, he, he wasn't just an amazing guitar player. He's just an awesome character. Oh yeah. Super fun guy. And, uh, you know, it's just, uh, you know, that, that's the type of, uh, PA I look up to, you know? Yeah. Dimebag is one of those dudes where, you know, I think you and I are, I think the same age actually. And so growing up watching those home videos and just, just wanting to be that kind of guy. And, you know, luckily I got to meet him a couple of times as a kid and, uh, you know, I, I met him at like 14 years old and walked away going, you know, that's my new best friend. And I think that's how he made everyone feel. And uh, I, you know, just just terrible that we lost him the way we did and terrible that we don't have him now because I've said it a million times. He would be great on Facebook Live, Instagram Live, YouTube. I mean, he would be a monster in all this. Well, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, you, you probably would. You'd have like die past or something. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, could you just imagine him just randomly pop it up on Instagram Live? You know, that'd be too much fun. Yeah, it'd be so good. It's such a shame he's gone, man. But, uh, yeah, what a, what a dude. What a legend. Do you ever get to see uh, Pantera Live, Damage Plan Live? Uh, yeah, I got to see him twice, actually. Um, once in Newport Center in uh, Wales, uh, like a two eighteen hundred cap venue in, in uh south wales where i live and once in ozfest in milton Keynes bowl i believe in uh, england i think slayer were on the bill on that one as well so that was a pretty metal show long time ago though <laughs> right yeah good <laughs> good times back then man um you know kind of getting getting together with matt and uh just just run through the the you know meeting matt getting bands together and things like that um well we were in school together he was in he was in the year below me um and uh like back then everybody was getting into bands you know no matter if they could play or not you know they'd be banging on a drum kit or trying to play a bass or singing like a you know stamped on cat or something but uh <laughs> everyone was trying to get in a band and then you know there was certain bands that would sort of stand out from from the crowd and uh, one of those bands was jeff kill john and uh i was that was matt's band I was in my own sort of separate cover band, making a right mess. But, uh, you know, I think he recognized, you know, that I was a decent guitar player. And, you know, they had like a bit of a space to fill because they only had one guitar player, Matt. It was a three piece and he used to sing and play. So there was kind of an opening and uh, they wanted to fill that space with a new guitar player. So he kind of scouted me from my local pub. He came up, watched me play and then... A couple of days later, or a week or two later, they uh, asked me would I join Jeff Kiljohn. And then uh, we started taking things a bit more serious, playing wherever we could, you know, uh, away from Wales as well, trying not to just concentrate on Wales. You know, the, the, the dads were really cool. They were pushing us, <laughs> you know, uh, as as much as they could and, you know, driving us to shows and, you know, 
keeping things on the chin for us. It was lots of lots of support back then. But um, eventually, you know, we we, uh, we got our ticket, and somebody recognised us in London, and uh, we changed the name and became Bullet for My Valentine. And it's uh, it, our feet haven't touched the floor since then, man. It's been hell of a 15, 16 years. But uh, it's been super fun. <laughs> <laughs> so the earlier stuff has kind of been, uh, you know, categorized as new metal, and then obviously Bullet from My Valentine's a little bit more, you know, metal metal, and you know, you you a little bit more guitar solos and things like that. So, so what was the transition for you uh, to kind of go from that early, you know, new metal style to to more of a, a traditional metal style? Um, I think you just, I think you just get better at. at your instrument and your craft, you know, I mean, you know, you you always start out with a power chord or three chords uh, and, you know, maybe the smells like teen spirit solo because it's one (laughs) string and easy, but, you know, as time goes on, you learn more, you play with each other more together in a room and, you know, you you just, uh, you just move on along with it and you get better at your craft. And I think that hones in on your style and, you know, you, you kind of create your own style and, and who who you are really so it's a long process you know you, you can't just wake up one day and say you want to be in a ba- in a successful band you know you've got to really work at it and uh, you know craft your uh, musicianship and 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 whatnot it takes takes time at what point during the the recording and writing of the poison did you realize that you had a, a legend of an album on your hands um I don't know because that was like our first album, so we didn't know, we didn't know what to expect. You know, I mean, I, I remember Matt called us up and said, "Look, we've been offered a record deal," and I'm, you know, sort of just getting home from work, and it's like, well, what does that mean? You know, <laughs> what, what now? You know, yeah. You know, we, we've been we, we've wanted that all our lives, and now we had it. So it's like, well, fuck, what? What does that mean? What do we do now? It's like you're going to be famous, you're going to be successful, and it's like, yeah, but what does that mean? Right. <laughs> you know, you think you should, everyone wants to be a sort of super famous, rich uh, rock star, but you know, nobody knows what the fuck that means. Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you just you just make your own bed. You just you just get on with it, man. It was like I say, our feet didn't touch the ground, so we didn't have a lot of time to think about it. But uh, I think looking back, due to the touring and the dent that album made it was you know in hindsight i think you know it was it was a cracker but uh, at the time we didn't really know you know we were just writing all we had really just recording all we had because that was all we had we was writing for the poison so it was interesting <laughs> <laughs> i mean was there a moment when you held it in your hand put it in the cd player in your car and you're like you know this actually might be really good <laughs> Because, I mean, I understand being in the middle of it, you don't really know what's going on and, and you don't really notice what you're doing. But you, like, step back and just go, oh, tears don't fall. That's actually pretty catchy. You know? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, that song, out of out of all the bullet ones, that's, that's the one, you know. But I, mean, I think I've played that every single night since we, since we wrote it. But, uh, no, it, like, I, at the time, I didn't realize. I didn't realize. It's only looking back, it's like, wow, that was a... Uh, it was a, the, the right album at the right time, and it connected with the right sort of uh, genre, I guess. It, everything seemed to click, and obviously the touring that come out of it, 
we towed our asses off. So we really put in the groundwork as well. So, you know, it was uh, definitely unforgettable point in uh, in our lives. Yeah, it definitely came out, uh, you know, gangbusters. And it's, it's crazy because that's a debut album. And normally, you know, debut albums are, are good in the next few or the better. You know, they keep getting better and better. But, man, right out of the gate, you guys, you know, just slayed it. Yeah, something something magical happened, man. It was uh, it was really cool. It was really cool. And going back for Scream, Aim, Fire, was there any trepidation of trying to, you know, obviously match the success? And were you guys, you know, nervous about the whole whole ordeal? And we got to write, you know, Tears Don't Fall Part Two and just all this crazy stuff. Yeah, you get all of that. It's just like, oh, you know, you you don't want to spoil anything uh, going forward. That you know, because it's been so good. But I think with Scream, Aim, Fire, we. Were, because everyone was calling us, oh, they ain't metal, they ain't metal. So we were like, oh, let's write faster songs and, you know, more thrashy album. And I think that was the, the feeling of Screaming Fire. But uh, again, it's just another flavour of Bullet. You know, we'd never write that sort of album again. But at the time, it just felt right to us. Tell me about working with Colin Richardson, because obviously growing up, being a huge metal fan, I mean, that's, you know, the Machine Head records and uh, I believe uh, Carcass records and just all those great records he did. And uh, just working with him, what was that? How was that for you? Um, it was very odd. Uh, I'd never seen a picture of him or didn't know what he looked like. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he shows up to our rehearsal room to um, to listen to the, the demos before um, before we went in to record. And this taxi pulls up, and you know, a guy, a old guy with, with glasses and a pink, uh, you know, checked shirt gets out out of the car. And says, "Oh, is this the uh, you know really high voice?" <laughs> right. And he's calling fucking Richardson. It's like, what? The, I thought he was going to be like super long hair, big beard, and you know, tattoos everywhere. It's like, nope, complete opposite. Right. But uh, a great character. Uh, proper legend to uh, have in the studio loves a joke loves a bit of banter um loves a curry <laughs> <laughs> super nice super chill guy but um yeah we, we've worked with colin quite a lot throughout the throughout the uh, the years and uh you know really thankful for what he's what he's done for for other bands as well as ourselves ourselves you know yeah, that's kind of like the story of Ross Robinson. You always assume that he, you know, you hear all the stories about him throwing flower pots at, you know, Sepultura and, and you know, yelling at Jonathan Davis. And then you see him and he's just like this little guy with a little, little high-pitched voice. And you're like, how did that guy ever yell at anybody? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, so. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's like that. The characters meet along the way. It's, uh, it's, it's super interesting. You never put a voice to a face. It's, it's strange. What was some of the early tours that, you know, coming over to the States and just, uh, you know, I'm assuming, you know, being a wide-eyed kid back then, you're just like, you know, I can't believe that, you know, we're making it to the States and I can't believe we're going here in Japan and things like that. You know, were there, were there a couple stops like that where you're like, you know, I feel like there's a lot to sit back and pinch yourself with this band for some reason. Oh, definitely. Definitely. The first time we went to Japan, I mean, we were told to to expect, you know, some something that you're totally not used to. It's like landing on Mars. <laughs> and it really, really was. The first time we went there, it was, everything is different to um, everything I've ever known. <laughs> but it's such a, you know, when you go keep going back, it's such a cool place. The people are so nice and the culture and stuff. I think that's what I enjoy most about traveling is just, just the different cultures from country to country, you know, Asia, America, Australia. It's, it's really awesome, and uh, you know, I, 
I'm thankful every day that I that I've you know got to see these places and and uh, especially playing them with my band, you know. Now you guys started a Patreon page, the Army of Noise. Um, it was that just something to do during the the pandemic to maybe you know get get the fans more involved, a fan club feel. Is that what that was? Um, we've been talking about it for a while, and um, there's a band called um, While She Sleeps from from uh, Sheffield, England, and they really cracked, you know, the Patreon how to do it, you know, how how to really use that platform for its absolute maximum potential. Uh, so that was interesting to see. And uh, yeah, like you say, the, the pandemic kind of stopped stopped us working for a while. So, you know, we filmed a lot of, as much content as we could, you know, because re- we didn't know how long this was going to go on. So, you know, we don't really know if, when we're going to do shows again, but it was just sort of, uh, you know, let, let's uh, get the ball rolling on Patreon. Let's get it, let's get involved. I think it's really cool for the fans as well, because, they get to feel closer to the the bands they love, and even specific members. You know, you can jump on Discord, or you can you can just interact with them on so many different levels. So it's super cool, and uh, I think that that's the way things are going. You know, with with the uh, the industry, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's 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 nuts now that you know everybody's so accessible. You know, obviously when you and I were growing up, our favorite bands, you know, they were blurbs and magazines and you know you might go see them live you would never ever be able to send them a message or you know you know you might be able to write a letter but you're probably not going to get anything back and now everybody's just so accessible it's 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 a crazy time to be a fan yeah strange like you know slash or guns and roses on the back of a magazine on a poster 20 years ago and now you can see i'm doing a doing their washing up on instagram it's it's a very strange time how, how everything's changed and uh i don't know if it's for the better or if it's for the worse <laughs> <laughs> now you've been doing a lot of uh you know studio work with bands working with bands um do you enjoy that side of the of the the board i guess you know being the producer the you know engineer mixer guy yeah i really do it's uh it's it's, it's away from from uh you know what i do and i love sort of getting Getting involved in, you know, with the band, not so much in the writing, but you know, throwing ideas at them, uh, just recording, just helping young bands, you know, especially local bands. There's a really strong scene in South Wales, and I'm really interested in that because that's what you know where we came out of. I just want to help them, you know, and you know, I, I do love doing it. Uh, it's it's like reading a book for me, you know. I just enjoy it. <laughs> right. And you meet a bunch of fun, cool people make a bunch of fun and cool music and you know it's it's just what i live for i i just love i love that side of things you know i've always been interested in it and, and uh it's just you know so, so so much fun to do it do you get do they pepper you with questions about the industry or do you hear them talking about certain things and you're like oh boys do you, you don't even know <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I, it, when you turn around and they sneaking off a picture it's like it's so weird to me it's just like what the fuck are you doing it's like we're well, here for your band you know f- fuck my band but uh <laughs> yeah they do ask all sorts of things oh is it crazy on top badges is it is it crazy and it's like you don't even fucking want to know <laughs> <laughs> be careful what you wish for man yeah 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 definitely 
Uh, so I saw some dates pop up for Bullet for My Valentine uh, later this year, which is, you know, I'm assuming you can't wait to get out and chomping at the bit to get to. Um, and the obviously the album's out October 22nd. But I mean, what's the kind of the plan, you know, world tour the rest of the year, next year? Or are you guys still kind of holding back, waiting for everything to open up? Where are we at with all that? Yeah, uh, I think travel-wise, touring travel this this year, I don't think it's really going to happen. We, we've got a UK tour booked in uh, for November in support of the album. Um, so that'll be fun. I, I, all, I love, if it goes ahead, you know, I, I love touring in the UK because it just feels so normal to you. I mean, you can grab a coffee and you can stay in a dress. You, you can even walk across the road to a pub and have a Guinness, you know, it's... You can have a fright, you know, everything normal about the UK. So I just love touring the UK, but we've got another pilot coming up in Austria. Similar thing to download. So hopefully that goes ahead in September and Resurrection Fest has been announced uh, this morning. So there's dribs and drabs is coming in, but I, I think this year is it's not going to be too much, you know. We're, we're going to focus on the album and the, the UK tour. Well, you better hope that, uh, you know, yeah, you know, England doesn't win the uh, Euros because uh, you know it, they might burn the entire place down. <laughs> How excited they are with the with all the football over there! Yeah, yeah, I'm not I'm not a big football fan myself, but I, I do notice on social media that there was a game on last night, and I don't know who played, but uh, yeah, football is definitely a big thing over here. Yeah, I've definitely I've never heard that coming home song or heard that phrase so much. And then my, all of my social media from all of my you know European friends, they're just like, "It's coming home! It's coming home!" And I guess, I, you know, it's it's funny. I guess it would be more like my team winning the Super Bowl or something. But uh, but yeah, it's it's it seems like a crazy time over there right now. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's it, I don't know. For me, it's good to see people out just enjoying themselves with friends, watching the game. You know, having a few beers. Uh, people have missed it for too long, I think. So it's good times. Uh, yeah, the tennis is on as well. I think Wimbledon. So it's sport, sport mad over here at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was the good thing about watching Download Pilot was the you know I think about ten thousand people there, and then you know I'm starting to go to a couple of comedy shows and getting around people again, and and it's funny that here at least you know there was a couple of masks, but for the most part you know it was just back to. Everybody in a line, a cattle call, you know, getting into the venue and, and you know, no social distancing. And um, I think people are just kind of ready to get back to normal. Yeah. So are there shows happening over in America now? Uh, yeah. Yeah. They, they've I've seen a lot more comedy pop up. So it's a little bit more, you know, you're sitting at a table. But I mean, they still sit you with, you know, strangers. You know, you're still seated with strangers. Um, you know, if there's four if there's four people to the table, you got two. They, they match you with two. So, um yeah, I mean everything's everything's opening up. I mean a lot more outdoor shows. Fourth of July just happened. Um, you know, big downtown festivals. I saw a photo of downtown Nashville for uh, for their fireworks for the Fourth of July. There was like four hundred thousand people crammed wow. into. I mean, it, it was it looked like everybody's back to normal. So let's go. Oh, good, good. Yeah, I I, I want to see more of that. Yeah, let's get back to normal. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, it'd be nice to see a crowd of 400,000 too, right? Absolutely, yeah, <laughs> definitely. MBS. Right, exactly, man. That would be that. Yeah, I can't wait. I mean, obviously, we're doing a couple of festival stuff here. You know, the Loud in the Life Festival. Uh, I'll be going to Knotfest in Iowa, you know, later this year. So I'm, I can't wait to get back to the uh, festival atmosphere over here. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely something I, I 
I have missed, you know. It's different to a show where you're stuck in a dressing room all day on, on your own sort of thing. There's people walking around, people you know, something happening over there, something happening over there, you know. It's more fun, I think. <laughs> Definitely a better fight. Yeah, speaking of festivals, you know, the, the American festivals over the years, I think are starting to catch up with the European festivals because as a kid, you know, I'm growing up, I'm reading about Donington and, and everything over there and just like being amazed by these crowds. And now, you know, the, the Danny Wimmer presents festivals over here and even not fest, you know, they're really starting to, uh, you know, the destination festivals rather than, you know, like an Ozfest or a, even a mayhem where it was traveling. Uh, I think they're yeah. really, they're really doing well with the destination fest here. Yeah, definitely. Some of the lineups I've seen, uh, for, for you guys' festivals is really good. They, they look really good. And, uh, I just hope only you know we can get back out there and jump on the on the lineup ourselves, you know. But uh, yeah, it's all good, man. Really good. <laughs> or even uh, what are they 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 uh, showed Hellfest over there with you guys and <laughs> three hundred and fifty bands over seven days. It's, it's it that looks insane. It, it, it yeah, I've never seen so many bands on a poster in my life. I mean, I think it's like how many days is it? Five days? Seven. I think it's seven. It's crazy. What a lineup, though. It's amazing. I think they have everyone. Yeah. <laughs> it's even if you look at it on your phone, like the the small print bands, you can't even see. <laughs> I could say I was playing Hellfest for for God's sakes. Have you ever been a Hellfest? I have not. No, I need to. Actually, I was just texting with the wife earlier because I was I was actually like uh, researching whales because I don't know much about whales. And so I was, you know, clicking on on the Internet and I was thought I was looking at castles and stuff. And I was like. I texted the wife. I was like, we need to go to, you know, Europe and just check out castles. <laughs> we got a lot of castles in Wales, yeah, for sure. Yeah, not a lot of castles in the States, you know. We're, we're, we're a newer country. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, we got castles. But, yeah, we need, we need to check out some, uh, some of the old... Because it's so funny about America, you know, basically, just basically goes back to 1776. You know, obviously there was stuff before that, but... You know, there's not a lot of history when it comes to like actual the United States. You know, when you go to Europe, you know, there's things over there from 1200. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, it's crazy, and like Eastern Europe, you know, architecture, all the architecture and the culture changes. It's interesting to see as you go through Europe, like you can literally see the ages. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's got to be but definitely castles. There's castles everywhere. Castles are cool, man. Yeah, I got to check them out. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, you know, Michael, man, it's been great to talk to you. Thanks for taking some time with us here at NotFest.com, Talk To Me Podcast. And uh, once again, man, uh, self-titled album, October 22nd, Spined Farm Records. Michael, man, thanks for taking the time. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Things happen, but we don't really know why. If it's supposed to be like this. Why do most of us ignore the chance to miss? Oh, yeah. Torn apart if the seams of my dreams turn to tears. I'm not feeling this situation. Run away, try to find that safe place you can't hide. It's the best place to be when you're feeling like
All right, huge thank you to Padge from Bullet For My Valentine for taking some time with the Talk To Me podcast. And also a huge thank you to Chuck Loesch of No Control Radio and the voice of the Talk To Me podcast for coming on and hanging out with us and breaking down some of the metal news. Make sure you're heading over to notfest.com, becoming a VIP. If you want to watch the video of my interviews with Padge from Bullet For My Valentine, K.K. Downing, formerly of Judas Priest, Jesse Leach, Killswitch Engage, Times of Grace, or Mike, Haranica of The Devil Wears Prada, head over to notfest.com, become a NotFest VIP, and you will get those videos and also the archives of the Throwback Throwdown with Toomey show on the NotFest official Twitch, with interviews from Dino Cazares, Sonny Sandoval of POD, Heidi Shepard of Butcher Babies, and so much more. So head over to NotFest.com, become a VIP, let them know that the Talk To Me podcast sent you so that they see that I am worth (laughs) my uh, paycheck, and that would be much appreciated. Guys, check out the show, rate, review, subscribe, all that great stuff, and uh, one more time, you will hear the voice of Chuck Loesch. So for the Talk To Me podcast, I've been Joshua Toomey. Thank you guys for checking out the show. Thank you guys for supporting me on NotFest.com, NotFest Twitch, and all other platforms. And until next Thursday, I'm Joshua Toomey, and I will talk to you guys soon. The Talk To Me podcast presented by NotFest.com. Follow the show at Talk To Me Talk. Be sure to subscribe, rate the podcast, and leave a review on your favorite podcast app to get the latest from the Talk To Me podcast.